0: You're supposed to earn it, or what to do with it, or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. In case you financial fears
1: with a blast of sun, now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money
2: with Gabby
1: Dunn. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. Shalom, everyone. I am Jewish, but I'm not particularly religious anymore. I grew up religious, but... Um, As with most people who grow up religious, you kind of skedaddle right out of there as fast as you can. No one who's listened to this show for the past four seasons should be surprised to hear that. But I just want to share that information for our newest members of the Bad With Money family. Let's say you've just started with this season or this episode for some reason. So, dear new listeners, this podcast began as a simple show about personal finance. Or me trying to get my shit together so I could get out of debt, figure out how to save for retirement, Stop sobbing alone about money every few weeks. (laughs) You know, gentle, basic stuff. But it became so obvious so quickly that money isn't just a commodity. It's an idea. It's influence. It changes what we value, how we live, how we think about how we should live. It's way more systemic and complicated than just earning more or getting to a quote-unquote comfortable life. Money has infiltrated how we assign meaning to what's around us. So I wanted to do an episode about how money is viewed from the perspectives of two people of faith, one where the absence of money is part of a cultural identity, and another where wealth is viewed as a meaningful part of human life. But first, I want to put out a small disclaimer. These people I'm about to talk to are individuals, so let's fully acknowledge and appreciate that not one person should be beholden to represent an entire community or belief system, These are people sharing their own personal experiences, their perspectives, and their beliefs. End of disclaimer. I know, nuance. It's hard on the internet. So now, let's talk to a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Yeah, for real. He's in the studio. (laughs) Okay, so can you tell my listeners who you are and what you do?
3: My name is Gelsen Chopel. I'm a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Actually, I was born in Tibet and when... I was three. I escaped because due to the Chinese Revolution, came to Tibet. We have fled to India, and mostly I was uh, raised in India and went to school there. And later on, when I was 17, I think I became a monk at the Nechung Monastery in India.
1: Why did you choose to become a
3: monk? Honestly, I didn't choose it. It just, you know, in, in Tibet, what it happened was the uh, Economy was that not that good, and most have a, a few children. If, if they if they has a boy, so they try to send to one of the boys and try to send to monastery mm-hmm. because that will be a helpful bring back some kind of the uh, Buddha's teaching toward family, and it also helped to be a better person.
2: And uh, who are you? Um, my name's Toby Rhodes. I'm the secretary of the uh, local Tibetan Buddhist center um, where uh, Gelson Chopal lives. Mm-hmm. I help at the center and do whatever I can to help them.
1: So okay, so to know a little bit more about you, and like, let's assume my listeners don't know anything, okay. and, and I also don't know anything, which is true. What does it mean uh, to be a Tibetan monk? What what is like? What does that mean?
3: To become a monk, so you have to take our vows. So you can study and try to help all other two. Even, you know, my family too. Mm-hmm. But then also my own relatives uh, try to bring all the different, you know, uh, together or something like that. Sometimes there's a fight in the family sort of things, you know. Anyway, and your
1: job would be to like teach and be the peacemaker? Because yes, yes. you are focused yeah, on your yeah, practice. You are yeah. focused on. So
3: I don't, even I got a lot of opportunity to begin a big, big making money, but I didn't happen. I was in New York uh, since 91.
1: Oh, you were in New York? Yeah. Uh,
3: I, we have centered there. So maybe I didn't. Usually uh, people say so, uh, America is a land of opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. But I was there, maybe I have hardly worked maybe uh, two or three months. That's it. Maybe other uh, person point of view, they will try to make money all the time. Yeah, so I didn't do that, so I'm not after money. So,
1: so you feel grateful that you're in a practice where you don't have yes, to focus yes. on that all, all the, the time. All the, yeah. Where you can focus yeah. on other things, things yes, that yes. are more important. Yeah, like what sort of things?
3: Sometimes you can uh, also help to other people, you know, mm-hmm. to service, or uh, they will try. Sometimes they bring up their own problem, try mm-hmm. to talk with them.
1: Do you focus too on like self betterment or like in, not a
3: self betterment?
1: Helping uh, others. Yeah, uh, uh,
3: we uh, in Tibetan Buddhism we say uh, we have to achieve enlightenment, which is a Buddhahood, mm-hmm. and uh, to achieve that without other you can't do it. The main points to uh, to, uh, to achieve the Buddhahood to benefit the other. Even the press is that you know.
1: So it's not about self, like isolating not yourself about yeah, yourself. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. So why do you have a temple in LA? Like, what do you oh, do okay. in LA?
3: Yeah, this is a story. Uh, now I'll bring back like six year six years back. One of our uh, teacher, and he's a nature uh, medium or oracle. Okay. Yeah, he came here. Uh, in Los Angeles area to do fundraise. So okay. We, all the uh, centers, all the monastery or centers depends on the fund who have uh, received.
1: Yes. Yeah, so everything so, you yeah, guys do is yeah, donation, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Then he gave a talk on uh, cause and effect mm-hmm. at the time or uh, on buddhichitta, and one of our friends, his uh, his name is Dr. Julian, and he brought bring one of the celebrities at the talk, and he the the celebrity uh, feels that it, this kind of the uh, teaching or talk is could be benefit for the young Americans. Yeah. So he asks if he give a donation. To him, can you build a center in L.A.? Mm -hmm. Then the the medium or oracle, he called me in New York. I was in New York, and he asked me, somebody uh, giving you a donation, us donation, Mm -hmm. so you want to help take care. And I I did. What I did said is, besides teaching, I do anything.
1: You want to do caretaking.
3: Yeah, caretaking. Usually usually I'm an artist. I cook. I built
1: mm-hmm.
3: I saw all sort of things, and I'm a, mostly I'm an artist.
1: So why when you're talking about bringing t- Tibetan Buddhism to New York or LA to America that's so consumerist, that's so obsessed with money?
3: No the, yeah yeah. it's a okay, I want to tell you because in the donor he says in the especially in the uh, young generation, even I know few mm-hmm. who, has, who has money and they have been misused. Like uh, drawers or all sort of things, sure. so this is be a good way to bring uh, change their uh, life or uh, system or something like that. So in a uh, Buddhist teaching, it's uh, mostly talks about to be a, a humble, mm-hmm. not judging other. I, even Buddha, we call nangba. It's Tibetan words. It means judge self, not others. So that's why it's uh, have to every time when you. Of course, you are not in line. You? you have you erase with anger all right. the all the, the poisons there? but then you have to analyze that and come it down. On Saturday morning, we have our uh, teachings, who have been uh, uh, taught for a couple years. Mm-hmm. We do we do that, in you know, like two hours with the meditation. Sometimes there's a discussion like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's, uh, it's helpful or benefit for the others.
1: Do you think that, like, particularly there's th- these people that are living? I mean, because uh, it's so opposite of what you hear about Americans, where it's like, you know, we want to be rich. We want to have all yeah, these things. Yeah. We want to have all the the sneakers and the watches and all this stuff. You're <laughs> don't, laughing. Don't, but yeah, No, no,
3: no. You're looking at my watch. That's different, you know. <laughs> yeah. this, is my, this, this was given my niece. So Your niece gave it to uh, you?
1: Because yeah. <laughs> everything that you have is yeah, through donations, right? Yeah.
3: Even, you know, can you imagine, you know, like a... I have a nice car. Mm-hmm. It's a lax, but it was given by somebody. When we do service, they offer a donation. Yeah. Some to goes to the temple, some just to the uh, private, you know. Mm-hmm. But even we need some money to put a gas on a car. So right, of and course. And they pay insurance.
1: <laughs> yeah, so who, so how? So because you're talking about fundraising or yeah. going, so like, but everything that you own and, and buy has to be gifted or has to be donation, yes, right? Yes, and yes. you talk about going to the deli and yeah, doing yeah. the shopping. Yeah. So that's where all the money comes from?
3: Yes, yes, yes. We don't do any uh, sort of like business. Way back when I was in New York, I did commission to s- few in New York area. Of all your the, artwork? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, do, do you know uh, Professor Thurman? Bob Thurman. No. He's a professor in Columbia. He used to be, he's the father of uh, Uma Thurman. Oh, okay. So he has a few of my collections. So all the money which I he gave us donation, it all went back to the India.
1: Got it. Where
3: our main uh, source is.
1: It's funny to be um, anti-consumerist, but then someone donates Alexis.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I did. Uh, she knows that, you know. It happens. Uh, sometimes it happens. It's called we call in the Buddhism in Japan and what Longju Tingu That means if you give generously, mm-hmm. there will be come back. The Westerners they call karma or something, but it's not a karma. It's karma. Yeah. There is a good karma, There is yeah. a bad karma. When you, we believe in a like a, a next life, previous life, until you. Achieve enlightenment. There will be in different forms at some time, mm-hmm. and sometimes you will be human. So this all are co- depends on consciousness.
1: How do you get enlightenment? Who, who gets so, that? How do you get that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's a few. Uh, uh, there's a few. Uh, not necessary men. There's a lot of female too. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a serious practice. This day, even in Tibet right uh so they have we usually usually uh what is enlightenment is a uh, ten boomi it means a uh, ten ten state so every time you, when you achieve kind of the uh, level you will see that you mm-hmm. can feel that after the ten bumi so you are enlightened that's uh, ultimate happiness
1: is that what you work towards
3: no 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 no, no even not one
2: you're not even Below, <laughs> below one. That's Honest, what practitioner that's, that's, yeah. Buddhist practitioners work towards. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah, sure. Got so,
3: it. yeah the, me. So uh, that's why. And you know, I was uh, also telling her, even us uh, as a monk, we have uh, like three different kind of categories with money. First, who manage the money at the monastery. Mm-hmm. The second one is uh, like common monks. Mm-hmm who do study at the monastery go for the prayer service and they do debate at the time okay and they don't care things about the money at the time all the time
1: got it okay when they
3: receive a donation they they will get it for as a pocket money okay yeah. the third one is that they stay totally isolate they don't need money at all and they do mostly like uh, 18 hours or 20 hours a day meditation. They only eat uh, barley, uh rose barley, which called samba, rose barley flour with the water. That's your system.
1: Oh, yeah. So these are the three types of monks. Stuff. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's uh, not necessarily monks. They will be could be a, 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 a layman or. The third type could uh, third, be either a monk yeah, or a layperson, oh, okay. or that nun. Okay, that isolates this, this, wow. this, this, there's a lot of uh, nuns in Tibet who is doing that.
1: Okay, so and those people don't deal with money at all.
3: No, no the second and third doesn't deal at money at all. Only the first one.
1: Got it. And yeah. you're the first one.
3: Now I used to be in India. <laughs> in India, I used to be. Uh, you can tell. I used to do shopping when I go down down Delhi do what, whatever shopping you need, because where we are, is not that big uh, yeah. town. Yeah. It's very small. So most of the time, we have to go down daily to uh, get things and mm-hmm. send transport or sometimes carry with you in the bus. So then uh, whatever you spend, whatever you eat, whatever you or your rent is, you just write mm-hmm. and give uh, our teacher next day. At the monasteries, our monastery in India, mm-hmm. Uh, we have around like 90 monks. Okay. Uh, so we have to provide food. We already have a shelter. Right. And uh, all those things, clothing and uh, healthcare. Right. So this all provided by uh, monasteries. So those who are in charge, they have to think. So uh, think how to provide that money. Mm-hmm. So I, at the time when I was handling the money at the monastery, I went to see my teacher. Uh, so... Uh, at that time, the in India bank, in Indian bank, mm-hmm. we call the it CD. It's a, like a fixed deposit. Okay. It's a very good. Uh, it's at that time it was ten percentage.
1: Oh, okay, interest.
3: Interest. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, then I did ask my teacher how much money we do have at the monastery. We don't know, you right? Know. So he, he asked. Uh, I'm sort of like a you know open mind, or I said because if you have such and such money, so that interest will be covered for the whole year. fruit for the months. Oh. Then next day, then he called me and he gave a long list about money, what date, budget then, or budgets, statements, yeah, yeah. S- statements, statements. Then he seems like it's it makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Then uh, at that time, our uh, monastery have only like. Eighty thousand U.S. dollar. Okay. Then I say, oh, at least we need a hundred thousand mm-hmm. for the monastery. So from that interest, we can provide the food and everything for the monks. So at that time, we don't. We only get a few donations. Right. And when we built our monastery in in India, uh, my teacher asked <laughs> donation from His Holiness Dalai Lama. From <laughs> <Brother> who? <laughs> his Holiness Dalai Lama.
1: Oh, he asked so, from the Dalai Lama. Yeah,
3: he, so he gave us donation to Buddha. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. From he, his own donation? Yeah, his own donation. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so that's how it started. Then later on, through one of our friends, uh, they give us a, a quarter million dollars donations. Whoa. But this all sent to India.
1: Wow. So you have kind of like a business mind, like a man. No, mind. you
3: can say that. I'm a <laughs> monk, but still, my mind is totally, you know, different. Not in a uh, bad ways.
1: So, what are you doing that, like now on a day to day? Because I think people have the misconception of that every monk is the third type. That every no, monk no, is no, just meditating no, not, twenty not a, hours a day and well, eating flour. The
3: the, the good the, the maybe like I think the best one is the third type, which is like a very that you can ask how how far are you from the enlightenment. Right. Yeah, that is the you can ask. Maybe they can tell, but mostly they don't tell it. So oh, how they're it humble. Yeah, that's oh. how that's uh, it is. They won't tell it. Even it's uh, not allowed to tell. Yeah, you know, I've, if they have seen something. Yeah. Because they can see something, not like a ghost or anything, but enlightened beings.
1: So, but so they're. I mean, they're on another level. Yeah, another
3: Let's level at the level
1: and so what are you doing on every day on a di- like an average day
3: average uh, day I do meditation morning then do breakfast then mm-hmm. sometimes because I am a diabetic so I need a lot of walk oh. so sort of thing and then taking care about the center.
1: And that's, but there is there like um, nobility in that too, because they the center can't run unless they have the, yes. the people that are doing the shopping, that are doing the money stuff.
3: Uh, it's still it's running. It's uh, still we are in a, a donation basis, mm-hmm. like uh, years back. We I got a call uh, at the center. Uh, somebody say, "Oh, this is Tibetan Buddhist Center." I say, "Yes," because it was in the website. Then they say, "Oh, uh, some somebody give, gonna give you a uh, hundred thousand. Okay. Just, you know, these times you can get a lot of uh, prank calls or Right. So stim. you're like,
1: okay, who yeah, what do you yeah. mean somebody's yeah, gonna somebody. give me a hundred thousand?
3: We don't know nothing at all. Uh he called me at the at the Starbucks somewhere. in okay. uh, At the Santa Monica. So he handed me the hundred thousand check. So, at a Starbucks. Uh, yeah, Starbucks. <laughs> okay. I, I signed. The first thing he asked, are you uh, against a gay community? I said, no, no, we don't have. Uh, be, even in our community, there's gay and lesbian. Oh, those. that's lovely. Things. There's, we don't have any problem with that. It doesn't say in a, in a text at all. Right. Then he was really happy, and he says his partner has passed away. Oh. So he won't give the, this donation to Tibetan Buddhist Center.
1: In honor of his partner. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then
3: I say, oh, thank you. And so we tried to contact with him. He don't want anything at all. Wow. So I just signed there. We got a check like that. It just happened, you know. But still, we have to think long run, uh, think what will happen if he doesn't succeed, you know. Right. Yeah.
1: What will you do if you don't get donations? I think people have this idea that you're you're just not dealing with money at all.
3: No, 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 no.
1: But that's not true.
3: Yeah, it's not like that. That's why I'm saying I'm in the first category. Yeah, who who, who deal with the money? It's uh, without, you're making it possible no, for the others I'm to saying, do what they do. Without money, you can't do anything. You can't move at all. Right. So that's why it's a third category. They don't need to deal with money. Right. So I'm the with the first one doing everything mm-hmm. and. But it has to be a, a, a satisfaction. There, he's
2: talking about inner satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean?
3: You know, don't be greedy. What I mean. Yeah. You know, sometimes people has a hundred thousand, or they they think or try to make more money, mm-hmm. and from that cost, make you mad or all sort of things. Because
1: you know. you're because you're like not you want more. Yeah, yeah,
3: more. Yeah. So even uh, I did have an uh, opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. Because when I was in uh, Oregon, Portland, giving mm-hmm. a class for three months, I did, there's uh, one ashram. I cook one day food for all the members. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually Hindu uh, H- uh, Hindu ashram.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, there's uh, one guy, he says, uh, you want to open a restaurant, I will spend money. Oh. Yeah.
1: He want because he liked your cooking. Yeah.
3: Then I say, no, I don't want to do it. because Because if I... Make more money, your mind will get polluted and try to think way different. If you make more money, your mind be polluted. You, you have know? more problems. <laughs> yeah. That is the way uh, I think, honestly.
1: Do you find that we understand the anti-consumerism, or that we that it's what
3: hard like that?
1: It's hard to 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 get a message across to Americans that money isn't everything, that you don't have to buy this stuff, that it's okay but to it, not want to yeah, be more I want rich.
3: To ask, I, want, I want to ask you something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can m- money uh, give you, give you happiness?
1: I think it can make things easier.
3: Yeah, it, yeah, it's true, but yeah. you can't uh, make uh, happiness from the money.
1: No, I mean I so think that you can a, still be depressed you need a and second, anxious. Yeah,
3: that <laughs> you need a second category which you can make happy from. You know, it's all happiness I created from your own mind. Yeah. So that's a, I think it's a right. Uh, if you try to be a uh, helpful for the other mm-hmm. and create a uh, right action, mm-hmm. and also uh, in Buddhist teaching, it's all really all all thought of that how to be a calm to happy, helpful for other. Mm-hmm. If you don't uh, slap other person, they won't slap you back.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. No, no,
3: no, no. Usually, you know, uh, that's what uh, uh, I thought. Also, mostly, I mean, uh, teachings from the uh, Buddha, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Toby a question now. Um, <laughs> what, uh like, What about this sort of drew you to it or what? was there something because you're american right yes i mean was there something that you were like i'm not getting this i'm
3: i too yeah
1: well now maybe <laughs> um but is there oh thank you oh you're pouring me water yeah, i appreciate that's, that's, it no no
3: that's how we are
1: <laughs> i know i was just watching you pour the water while i asked the question and <laughs> i you poured one for everybody <laughs> wow um is there is there something to like where you were like I, this is there's something wrong with the American culture or is there a way that this is like just spoke to you more?
2: Um, well I've been practicing Tibetan Buddhism for about 40 years. A lot of people uh, come to Tibetan Buddhism or Buddhism because they're unhappy about something in their life. Right. So, Or they're going through some turmoil in their life. So mm-hmm. um, I had just gotten divorced and I um, You know, I was sort of wondering (laughs) what to do, and um, I heard about a Tibetan Buddhist teacher coming. But I had already tried um, transcendental meditation Mm -hmm. and some other things, you know, just sort of searching around. So I went to see this teacher, and um, he was talking about um, how to view other people. And what they say is seeing all beings as your mother. And so what made that really made an impression on me because it means that you're looking at everybody as being somebody who's related to you or somebody important to you, that you shouldn't just overlook people as not being Mm -hmm. important. Mm
1: -hmm. I just am curious about your impression of like other people in this country or other, you know, where you're sort of like, ah, like I wish that they could get you know, th- that this isn't important or that ha- I wish that they would change their view on money in this mm-hmm. way,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Well, as he said, money doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it can bring you a lot more problems. If you have a lot of money, mm-hmm. it can create a lot of problems. And so if our whole life is just about accumulating things, yeah, that isn't where happiness comes from. Yeah, Happiness comes from what we do, with our mind and how we think about things and can we find some internal satisfaction and can we think about other people and other things besides just our own selfish goals?
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of pushback. I mean, this show is very um, socialist in nature and I think there's a lot of pushback, at least in my generation and generation younger on um, like the capitalist idea mm-hmm. of you have to be working all the time and mm-hmm. if you're not making money, you're not a person and like and then I think there's a lot of people like I'm a millennial, so my age and younger where, We're realizing that it doesn't, um, like, your job isn't your whole self, Mm -hmm. and then we're totally falling apart because of that, (laughs) where we're realizing that that's Mm -hmm. not, like, Mm -hmm. oh, the world's ending because of climate change. What have I been doing with my time, basically? Have I been working the whole time? So, like, what kind of stuff, you say, helping other people or – Uh, Is that, like, there's just prioritizing of other things other than the capitalist idea of, like, working all the time?
2: So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. We're all interrelated. We're all in this mess together. Right. And everything that we do affects other people. So that interrelationship, um, whatever we do, affects everybody else. And if we help other people – To be better and happier, Mm -hmm. then that affects us. That makes us happier. Right. If we think we just have to get everything for ourselves and nobody, and otherwise we won't have anything, right. Then you're isolating yourself and you're setting up something that's not going to make you happy.
1: I think of that a lot with like, yeah, it's not, it's not, um, the American dream of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps often leaves out the narrative of what about the people that didn't do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then what about now you've Mm -hmm. succeeded, but what about them? Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea is to just forget about them. Right. (laughs) But you really (laughs) can't and shouldn't.
2: No, Um, because that, we all affect each other. mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and we all, and people in other countries who are struggling and and fighting each Mm -hmm. other, that affects us, even though we can't see it necessarily on mm-hmm. a daily basis. But that affects us.
1: Um, how was your first podcast?
2: Oh, it was great. <laughs>
3: Honestly, I I didn't know about podcasts, but still, I have uh, apps here, but I never use it at all. It came with uh with uh, I think an iPhone or something.
1: Oh, you have your podcast yeah, app. but I
3: never use it at all. Most of it could just come. <laughs>
1: Well, there'll be one podcast on it now. Uh, It'll be the one that you're on. (laughs) Thank you so much.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Wow. So that was not what I expected. I guess I had, you know, a a bunch of preconceived notions about what monks are like. And I'm glad, actually, that it wasn't what I expected because it was super interesting and real. You know, it wasn't the stereotype of a monk, which for this show, thank God, we don't deal in stereotypes here. Okay, quick break right now, and then I'm going to call someone to talk about Hinduism. And we're back. We're talking to people about kind of how their religious beliefs and cultural traditions intersect with how they think about money and specifically wealth. So now I'm going to call a professor of religious studies and ask her how she sees the relationship between money and Hindu beliefs. Hello? Hi, uh, this is Gabby.
0: Gabby, nice to meet you. Deepa Sundaram. Hello, nice to meet you. Can you say who you are and, and what you do? So my name is Deepa Sundaram. I'm a professor of religious studies at the University of Denver.
1: So where are you right now?
0: Right now, I am in the Himalaya Mountains in Dharamsala, India, which is near the northern part of India. And this is where the exiled Tibetan government um, which has been here since the 1950s, I want to say, um, where the Dalai Lama's, um, basically his cohort, as well as the exile of the Tibetan government is, and we are leading a student program here for three weeks.
1: Oh wow! What kind of program you're leading it?
0: Um, I'm leading it with my co-instructor and my partner, and we're teaching a class on Mythland and Tradition.
1: So okay, so. Uh, for people not familiar with Hinduism, can you tell us a little bit about it, or like, what's your what's your basic elevator pitch? Let's say if someone listening has no clue what we're talking about.
0: Okay, so Hinduism is one of the major religious traditions in the world. Um, it has probably the most number of adherents behind Christianity and Islam. It is the main tenets of Hinduism are what I call not so much um, focused on belief but rather on ritual. Um, and what Hinduism really is about is understanding that there are 333 million faces of God for the 333 million ways that people can know God. So that's what I usually start telling my students about Hinduism. So you'll see many, many deities. That's usually what people are familiar with. Um, but one should understand that there is actually a, the belief in a single divine force that takes many, many faces um, and there are a diversity of rituals, beliefs, and um, let's say communities that have different ways of engaging that divine. So are, where are you from? Um, I grew up in Indiana, mm-hmm. South Bend. Go Irish, as we like to say there. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, and so my family, though, is originally from the south of India in Chennai, which is in the um, Indian state of Tamil Nadu. And so that's where my family's from. But I was born in New Jersey and I grew up in Indiana. And were you guys uh, Hindu growing up? Yeah, you're Hindu, whether you're not, whether you want to be or not. So Hinduism, much like Judaism, uh, functions as a birth tradition. So you're born in because it is really linked to who your community is. So whether or not you are secular or practicing, you're still considered Hindu. Um, So, yeah, my family was actually a practicing Hindu family, and we grew up um, going to temples and seeing different gods. And There are sects within Hinduism. The two major ones follow one one of the main gods, who is Shiva, who is considered to be the god of destruction, and the other one is considered uh Vishnu which is the god of sustenance and there's a third god uh main god who is the creator god and then there's so many others underneath that but the two main sects are what we call followers of Shiva and followers of Vishnu my own family um comes out of what we call the Shaiva or Shiva tradition
1: destruction god i know that that's probably not as straightforward as as i i'm thinking what do you, what does that mean
0: no. destruction god so there's three forces that Hindus recognize creation, sustenance and destruction and they believe in a cyclical vision of time, not a linear one, which usually characterizes Abrahamic faiths. So what that means and there's also another important belief is that that Hindu traditions are non-dualistic, meaning there's no absolute concept of evil. Oh. So so the way it works is that the world itself goes through four stages or four ages you can say and that it begins much like imagine a um, a baby being born and being perfect mm-hmm. and then over time it grows up but it becomes less perfect as it becomes polluted by the world and material forces and then eventually as it grows up it eventually starts to deteriorate just like we all do sadly mm-hmm. sorry to be depressing <laughs> right and then we eventually die Right. But their belief is that that particular process repeats over and over and over and starts at the microcosms of life and also applies to the universe. So For that, they have divinized those those particular um, forces, right? So first we're created, then we're sustained, and then we are taken back to our source and the whole process begins again. So Shiva, though we call him the god of destruction, the name Shiva means auspiciousness, and he's often linked to creation as well because without that sort of coming back to the source, we can't have new creation just like you would see a plant that would be mulched into the ground so that new plants can grow.
1: Got it. I figured it was something like that. Um, so, okay. So in this episode, we're we're going to be looking at how religion can shape how we think about wealth and money. And we started out by speaking with a, a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Um, so how important is money and wealth in Hinduism?
0: Well, it's very important because we also have four main goals that most Hindus adhere to when you... Um, sort of are initiated into the tradition. They have a ceremony that's similar to a bat mitzvah in the Jewish tradition around the age of 11 or 12, um, where you sort of like become a part of the tradition. And at that point, you also agree to adhere to four main sort of goals. Um, And one of those goals, artha, is the production of not only wealth, but of being part of a society. And the idea of producing wealth is not so much that you should get rich, but that you should be a productive member in making your society stronger, better, and more prosperous. And by doing that for your own family, you're doing that for the society at large.
1: How, How are you meant to do that?
0: So there are a lot of different ways, um, right? So you are, your job is to get educated, right? So you should get educated in in a profession that is appropriate to you. Now in the old I don't like to say the old days, but in the sort of beginnings of the tradition, this, a lot of this was linked to what we call caste or a sort of like community based class system Mm -hmm. in which people were sort of like born into particular professions. We have similar ideas here, even, um, it's not sort of indicative to India. Um, but now it's more about, um, you know, thinking about what would make sure that you can provide for your family and that you can be a productive member of society, however that looks for you. So you see people always wanting to make things better for their children. That's usually what you see, just like we see here, right? So people want to make sure that whatever they do, to provide for their families that they have children, which is one of the goals, um, that of your life, right. Mm. Just to produce children and to make sure that those children have a better life than you did.
1: So it's not necessarily like the capitalist idea of making money, uh, is, is being a productive member of society, but rather, um, like just trying to make life better for the next generation.
0: That's right. And I would also say that like part of it is to make the community as a whole prosperous. So your job is to make money in the sense that you want to be able to contribute not only to your own family, but to the greater greater good, to use a sort of vague phrase, right? And that would mean that part of your job and part of what we call dharma or your duty, which is another goal Mm -hmm. in this, there's four, right? Right. The children is what we call kama or love. It's your job to fall in love and love your children and to have wealth and to do dharma and then eventually to be liberated from the cycle of rebirth. But we'll get to that at the end. But um, so dharma, your duty is not only to produce wealth and, and um prosperity for your own family, but to contribute to the wealth of your community. So charity is really important, much like you find in Islam and Judaism, for example, as well as well as Christianity, that contributing to um, charities and making sure that you're helping those that are less fortunate for the community at large is part of that wealth building process.
1: You're su- this is not about anything. This is. You're, you're supposed to have children. You have to have children
0: yeah so um, well, the traditional rules are saying that like it's good yeah. to have children, yeah, so comma or dis- which really means love or desire is about you first of all finding a a proper mate, and then the two of you producing children,, Got and it. that is considered to be part of this, and the finding of a mate is actually most important because. No um, man or woman in the traditional sense and again, I'm giving you all the traditional orthodoxy here.: Sure right is really capable of achieving the goal of life, which is liberation from the cycle of rebirth. You don't want to be reborn again. they believe in reincarnation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the idea is that you can't do it alone because women are hot and men are cold. So together they can make a vehicle that can reach that spiritual enlightenment.
1: Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Hold that thought. We'll be back with more of this interview right after the break. And we're back. Does it matter how you gain your wealth or how you spend your money? I know you said you're supposed to go to charity. You're supposed to have children. Um, do, Do your actions affect how your money is viewed if you have it?
0: Absolutely. Because karma, or action and result is very, very important. How and which actions you perform and what the results of those actions are, are considered part and parcel of whether or not you're following these duties and and achieving these goals correctly. So there are definitely ethical and non-ethical ways to earn money. Um, That does not preclude us from being a part of a capitalist society, because Earning money is not demonized in any way. You going out and having a legitimate job and sort of earning money from that job and getting wealthy is not considered to be negative. However, you will see people say like what they usually do is once you've earned enough money and you've been able to be successful um, at a certain age, you'll often meet people who start to try to give that money away. Um, in the traditional sense. Like, and again, I'm speaking about orthodoxy here. The idea is you gain money and you can gain it through legitimate means. So, for example, if you were a criminal, let's pretend that you were a thief and you stole your money, mm-hmm. that would not be considered to be a legitimate practice of earning money. So the ends don't justify the means.
1: And even if you steal a bunch of money, but then you uh, donate some, it still doesn't negate how you got that money. Like it doesn't really help
0: with your karma. That's an excellent question. Um, so it would that that becomes a complicated question that people will disagree. If you donate all your money after you stole it, um, certainly that would mitigate some of the negativity of stealing it. But it would still be that initial act of karma that you would have to pay for at some point.
1: So how does the how does this change when you look at modern Hinduism?
0: So my research is mostly looking at digital culture. And I also look at the economics of digital culture in terms of how it has changed modern Hinduism. So that's um, one of the things that I, I look at a lot of uh, economics journals, which which is really interesting to me. Um, So one of the things that's changed is that modern India has been focused on developing, and this is really political. I'm not talking about the religion. Modern India has been focused on developing the nation Mm -hmm. and also being a part of a global economy, right? So you have a billion people, Just like we do in China. And these are people that are very enterprising. There's a lovely book that I would recommend by a woman named Lily Irani that just came out called Chasing Innovation, which is talking about how individual Indians become entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and how entrepreneurial culture is now a part of modern India. But it's not just that, there's also been a lot of investment in Indian companies. Um, And what this links to Hinduism, at least in my own research, is that we also see for the first time a capitalist market for religion in ways that we've never seen before. Um, So we have a huge um, influx of online ritual sites that sell to people. Um, that are not able to go and perform rituals in temples, the ability to do so online. We also have apps that are geared towards that. And more recently, we have um, artificial intelligence types of applications that have been developed in order to allow more in theory, more accessibility for Hindus to ritual and sacred spaces without actually having to be there. Whoa. Um, and then finally, we have virtual reality. So one of the things, there are some several companies in cities like Bangalore, for example, that have started um, developing virtual reality applications and modules for people who are like, say, infirm or maybe outside of India, cannot reach India, um, and being able to sort of experience a religious ritual without actually being there by putting on like virtual reality goggles. Wow. And so these kinds of applications are really neat, right? Like, cause they're all like sort of like focused on accessibility in theory and sort of trying to bring together a transnational diasporic community um, back to the land of India. One of the things I didn't say earlier is that Hindus believe that the actual land of India contains all of the sacred power of the, di- of the divine. So when you leave the land in the traditional sense and you cross the ocean, you actually lose access in some way to that sacred power. And in order for you to really, you know, connect with that, you have to do rituals in that space. That doesn't mean we don't have temples outside and that they aren't connected, but the true power, according to the sort of like, you know, Orthodox tradition is actually located within India. So how do you get that access? So these companies have really been sort of focused on that they are not altruistic organizations these are these aren't you know they're not just sort of focused on you know helping people necessarily but they are also focused on making money and to that end the indian government as well as many of the state governments within india have poured lots and lots of money into investing in these types of technologies And the other angle here is also social media growth in India. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook have also become platforms for people to engage in religious rituals. And these platforms, as we know, are run by corporations that are not altruistically trying to connect people, but rather words like like and share are actually economic terms. So we want people to make those connections so that corporations have a network through which they can market their products.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because it's, you know, the religion is kind of this thing that's supposed to stay away from technology or away. Like we have this very old school idea of it. And then, and then yet like, you know, we are in a modern age. And so you're kind of monetizing this thing that is, is maybe not meant to be monetized.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I think that because the Hinduism has never had a problem with the idea of making money and the idea of media representation of images of deities. So that's Mm -hmm. always been part and parcel of the tradition, but now we have a different sort of vision of this, of where it dovetails with um, a capitalist model yeah no
1: totally. I mean that it's interesting how, you know, to speak to both the the old old ways and new ways and the ways in which all of this stuff mixes with like traditional Hindu beliefs. Thank you so much Deepa, I really appreciate it. No, this was great. Thank
0: you for giving me an opportunity to talk about this. Thank you for doing it. Bye. Okay. Bye. Like with the Tibetan Buddhist
1: monk, even when money is supposed to be nowhere, its effects or absence feel like it's everywhere, at least to me and probably to most people. Really, really fascinating stuff and also really weird to think about. You know, I said in the beginning of this episode that we're going to talk with two individuals and we should not assume their perspectives represent an entire community or belief system. But it does make me think about my beliefs. I wonder if I'm unable to not see money everywhere, like Maybe that's my perspective. If, and that's a big if, money had no influence somewhere in some aspect of life, would I even be able to see it or would I just keep tying it to money somehow? I don't know. I don't know. If you're living in this world, life comes with a price tag. Money may not buy happiness, quote unquote, but it does buy something close to it and it gives you the time to focus on happiness. A lot of times people who say money can't buy happiness, it's like, Yeah, but there's a difference between crying in a broken-down Honda Civic and crying in a Maserati. And a lot of people would rather be crying in a Maserati. Is that a belief system? Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate and review us. And make sure you're subscribed on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. The show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineers are Brendan Burns and Justin Asher. Our audio is edited by Andy Christens and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I'll see you next week. I've also never even sat in a Maserati, smiling or crying, by the way. So if someone has a Maserati they want to let me cry in, please get at me on Twitter, at Gabby Dunn.